Welcome to the Daily Grind Podcast, everybody. I'm your host, Colin Morgan. Listen, are you tired of not living a fulfilling life? Do you believe you deserve more? Do you want more? Is it finally your time? If yes, then stick around. I welcome you to the Daily Grind. Colin Morgan here and welcome back to another episode here on The Daily Grind. Today on the show, episode 459, we sit down with the amazing Bonnie Kelly. Bonnie is a lean, mean, self-sabotage, busting machine. Through her personal stories and expertise, she helps people just like you get to the root of what's blocking them from living the life of their dreams. She's an author, coach and we are super excited today to have her on today's podcast everyone be sure as always you have a pen piece of paper sit back and really dive deep in today's interview with bonnie kelly enjoy in business whether you're starting out or you've done this for a while if you've listened to the show you have heard countless people over and over again talk about the importance of mentorship of learning from people who have come before you. This is why I highly recommend my friend Eric Gilbert Williams. Eric was interviewed on this podcast, episode 429, which I would highly recommend you checking that episode out. The reason why I loved Eric is, listen, this is no hype, no strings attached. Eric is all about results. Are you trying to make your first million? Do you feel like you're burning out? Do you have a sales problem? Are you stuck on recruiting and managing your team? Do you have a legal dispute? Angry customers? Are you confused about accounting? These are all issues that come up. Eric specializes in helping early stage founders and entrepreneurs drive down stress and drive up profits. You want the guy in your corner who's been there and done it before. Eric built a number one fastest growing company. He ran it, he sold it successfully, and he wants to help you do the same. Listen, Eric has been generous enough to give you listeners three people. He's leaving exactly three openings in his schedule right now. And all you have to do to reach out, say hi to Eric, and get in touch with him is email him directly at eric at ericgilbertwilliams.com. That's Eric with a C, eric at ericgilbertwilliams.com. Or you can message him on LinkedIn 
His name is Eric Gilbert Williams. All this stuff's going to be in the show notes, guys. But listen, he just puts his direct email out there to you listeners in the podcast. How amazing is that? There's no bullshit right to the point. He wants to help you, but only three. Listen, everyone, like I have been in touch with Eric. You want to work with this guy because he's been through the muck. He's come out the other side successfully. Listen, he wants to help you. He's willing to help you. And he doesn't take your money if you're not happy with his help. How amazing is that? There's no reason why you shouldn't try this out. You can email him again directly at eric at ericgilbertwilliams.com or message him on LinkedIn at ericgilbertwilliams. Listen, he makes business mentoring simple. No hype, just results, no strings attached. All this stuff is in the show notes, everyone. Listen. He doesn't, let you, he doesn't take your money unless he gets you results. How amazing is that? There's no reason for you guys not to check this out. Again, eric at ericgilbertwilliams.com. Everyone, check it out. Well, Bonnie Kelly, welcome to The Daily Grind. Thank you so much for being here. Hey, thanks for having me, Colin. Of course, Bonnie. Um, Bonnie, first of all, where are you calling from? Northern California. So just north of Sacramento, a little bit in between what I say, Sacramento and uh, Lake Tahoe. Beautiful. Well, uh, Bonnie, for people being first introduced to you today, what you do, if you wouldn't mind just kind of briefly talking a little bit more about kind of who you are and what it is that you do. Awesome. Well, the easiest thing to say that I do is I end self-sabotage. That Mm. is the crux of it right there. Um, When people get stuck in a a cycle of self-sabotage, whether it's in business, in their relationship, in their finances, um, we help them in three just basically three steps to, to truly understand how that's playing out, what their role is in it, and then making a declaration to be able to shift and change that uh, behavior. So that's the biggest part of what I do. Um, who I am? Well, that's a complicated question, Colin. I feel like we could go very <laughs> deep into that. <laughs> well, let's talk about uh, let's talk about specifically about stopping self-sabotage. Like sure. what got you into this? What, what made you passionate about, about stopping self-sabotage? Well, I'd be lying if I said it was just a fascinating fascination in other people. It was yeah. truly the, the, my ability to self-sabotage my own life. I was pretty much a pro. Uh, I, I think I have a PhD in the self-sabotaging degree. And so that was really what got me started on this path was the, the truth was trying to heal and transform my own life. I had a tremendous amount of abuse, dysfunction, trauma in my past. And so of course it developed into these belief systems of Mm -hmm. worthlessness, of um, not being enough, of uh, fear, of uh, just discouragement. And that plays out in your behaviors. So whatever is instilled in the belief system, in the subconscious, is going to play out in the conscious behaviors. Yes. And so I found that as I started to really kind of untangle the the mess that was my life, that was my mind, that was my heart, uh, I, I started to recognize how I was unconsciously participating in a lot of the lack that I was experiencing in my current life. And so I had dedicated um, a lot of time, effort, energy, and money into learning how to master myself and master my mindset and master, um, you know, healing from these and unplugging and becoming a conscious creator for the life by design. And once I figured that out, um, I realized that there were a lot of people in the world that have no idea that they are contributing to their own suffering. 
And when we start to really connect the dots to how they are participating in that, we could give them the freedom in their business relationships, finances, and their fitness and their weight, whatever it is that they're going after, um, we could give them the freedom that they've longed for so desperately for so long. Uh, and yeah, so that's what kind of got me started on the process was the healing of my own heart and mind and now healing of the hearts and mind of the people I get to, to touch. Wow. So how long was that process for you? Like by the time you started to discover it and you know, how, yeah. how long did that take you? It's a never ending process. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I would lie again if I said that, you know, it's like I'm a master of all things. It's like, no, I understand this process and I understand it, but I mean, it still shows up in my life and I have to own it and shift it and change it just like anybody else. But the, the good news is nowadays it doesn't affect me as much. Uh, but I would say that it realistically took me a solid decade um, to really master these skills. And a part of it was because the information was so fragmented is that you'd get little bits of the answers here and there and here and there at these workshops with these coaches and with these, you know, these people. And, you know, so the whole picture was like finding puzzle pieces, right? I had to go on this massive quest to find all of these little puzzles that ultimately would show me the bigger picture. Um, but because it was so fragmented, it took me a lot longer. Uh, now, you know, we see that our students, because we give them all the puzzle pieces in front of them, and they just have to kind of put the puzzle together versus going out to seeking the puzzle pieces, is that they they're, have this ability to transform much faster. But for me, you know, like as any person who's just really setting out on, you know, any kind of exploration or expedition is, is you know, it takes, it takes a little bit longer. Um, so it was about a good decade before I feel like I got to the point where it's like I had a really good handle and developed a good methodology to help other people through it more efficiently. Yeah. Don't, don't you feel like that's what everyone kind of tries to do is mask yeah. that, like that, to put a bandaid <laughs> on things. And that's why they go to those little conferences or workshops or little yeah. retreats, which are, you know what, they're great. But I think unless those things are, are worked on consistently after that, it, it really means yeah. nothing. Well, and that's the difference between inspiration versus impact, mm-hmm. right? So you can get, you go to those conferences, you get inspired to do something, but the impact that it can have that happens actually afterwards. And that usually with, um, with joining the programs and hiring the coaches and, you know, going, you know, to the, the programs that are much more lengthy, much more in depth because, you know, the high that you get is going to wear off, right? It's just like any emotion. Like you, you don't feel uh, joy every second of every day. You go, you feel it in waves, right? It comes and it goes. You feel despair in waves. You feel any emotion in a wave. And same thing with inspiration. So yeah, I, I think when you go to these events and you, you, you get the inspiration, but it's not leaving the lasting impact because you haven't done the work. And the work happens afterwards. And the work works if you do the work, but it's really sitting down and, and the willingness to say, okay, I'm going to take a hard look in the mirror and, and truly get to an understanding of how I am participating in this experience. Like how am I participating in my lack or my limitations and get off, get off the shame, blame and complain train mm-hmm. that we all like to jump on so often. Right. And we decide to just get off at the next station and say, okay, I'm going to take emotional responsibility. I'm going to take mental responsibility for the direction and the outcomes that I desire in my life. And when we can really see it in that, that's where change is going to come through. A hundred percent. How do you get people to, to realize that? Right. Cause it's so many of you know us, we, we blame others and we have excuses yeah. for why we don't do things or why we're unhappy or not where we want to be. How do you get someone to fully take ownership for yeah. their actions and who they are? 
You know, honestly, I would say it starts with storytelling, right? Mm -hmm. It starts with um, being willing to share uh, the stories of how I was sitting in that seat too, right? And how I, like how that, you know, was leading and unfolding because I feel like stories is a lost art, right? It's it's one of those things that many of us... um, we just we don't we don't take the time to really craft a story that's going to have a mission or an impact in a way that is going to inspire people to take movement or recognize themselves in that. Um, so for me, it's like when I'm on stage or when I'm you know I'm sitting with people or coaching people is that I I often will speak in metaphor or I speak with stories to help them see themselves in it. But for the most to answer your question, for the most part. Um, I actually just attract the people who are already consciously aware and recognizing they're contributing to this and are just looking to figure out the why and the how. So, you know, I think there's a huge majority of people um, that are consciously aware. They just don't know what to do about it. Yeah, I agree. I think every and I think everyone self-sabotages. Like if you really oh, think yeah. about it, like oh, I yeah. think I think 100 percent of people, me included, probably you included, still yes. self-sabotage. But it's it's having that conscious awareness first that this is what you're doing. And then once you have that awareness that you can look at the signs and try to replace those with new behaviors. Yes. Yeah. You know, and, and that's where it's that conscious awareness is recognizing that, yeah, everybody sabotages, but sabotage is going to be unique to you. You know, are you sabotaging uh, your ability to feel loved or to connect are you sabotaging your career? Um, are you sabotaging your business or your weight? You know, I mean, if you find that you're constantly yo-yoing on your diet where you gain 30 pounds and you lose 30 pounds, you mm-hmm. gain 30 pounds and you lose 30 pounds, well, that's a cycle of self-sabotage playing at its finest. Um, do you find that you're really consistent with your business and then you totally shut down and avoid? I mean, you're really consistent with your business and you shut down and avoid, right? Like it's going to come in all kinds of different shapes and sizes, but the, the path to be able to shift it isn't that unique understanding how you're playing in it is going to be the unique part. Interesting. So, I mean, you went through this journey 10 years yourself. When did you decide that, you know what, I could actually turn what I just did to myself and I could turn this, help others and create a business around it? Yeah, it was actually about seven years ago. So um, it still took me a few years to figure out really what it was that I helped people with because mm-hmm. I was in the first three years, like most entrepreneurs, as I struggled to, you know, to get down to my niche, right? I, yeah. I really had that in a, that idea that I could just help everybody. And truthfully, like the work that I do can help everybody, but that's that's not specific, right? It's not going to um, have clients kind of knocking down the door, like kind of just coming straight into, you know, walking in because they don't understand, you know, who you are, what you do. Well, I still was having a hard time articulating it. So it was about, um, what, five years ago where it really kind of all just clicked and I was able to kind of ground in a little bit more and a better understanding of my methodologies of, of, you know, the impact and really what it was that, I, I help people through. And, you know, when I honed in on that, that's when my business took off. That's where, you know, my speaking career, all of those things really took off was, um, being able to discover that, but it took a while. And I, and honestly, the first th- three years in business, I was just trying to figure out, you know, like how I was trying to help people and, yeah. you know, all of that. I think it's just that exploration. Uh, I knew I wanted to be, um, a coach and a speaker, but how, like exactly what I was helping people through, I was still figuring that out. So how did you come to that moment 
you know, three years in where you kind of feel like you, <laughs> you really niched it down, you created that. Yeah. Was it through the help of someone else or was it just it through was. trial and error? It was. okay. Yeah, it was totally. So um, my husband is a is brilliant. I'm not gonna lie. He is a <laughs> mad scientist. Um, and he actually works with, uh, you know, big businesses on identifying their mission values and, and purpose. And, you know, so we always had a harder time working together being two entrepreneurs, both have our own visions and ideas, you yep. know, and uh, I remember, you know, he he said, Okay, babe, we really need to we need to just nail down your niche. That's where we need to go. And it was a painstaking process because I'm the big picture girl, right? Like yep. I'm the one that's just like, I'm a fire, let's take action, let's just go for it. Details, schmeetails, you know, like that's my jam. My husband is the complete opposite of that. <laughs> he loves getting lost in the weeds and the details and and that stuff matters, right? It builds the baseline so you don't have to repeat things. And, you know, so it was a painstaking process. It was hours and it was actually in a moment of frustration because he just kept drilling me down, drilling me down. Like, okay, but how does that help people? Like, what does that solve for them? What does that solve for them? And just kept drilling. And it was a moment of frustration, Colin, where I just said, I help people in self-sabotage. Do you get it? Like, that's what I do. And it was just like this light bulb. Yeah. It was like, ding. And then he's like, and problem solved. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes you need that, right? Like sometimes in order to get to that, it needs to be like painful and frustrating because a lot of times yeah. people, when they start a business, which a lot of people listening are, they think that it's just going to come to them, right? Like it's like, oh, go and find your passion. And when you actually think of the words find, finding means you have to go out and look for it where people just sit back and hope it comes to them. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a it's a lot of it's just a lot of practice. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, the how I was able to really get to that is I had taught thousands of classes before that call in. And I was I was building my business. I mean, I built an audience of, you know, just thousands and thousands of people handshake to handshake, right? Like I was uh, I was a little bit intimidated by the internet. So I kind of didn't reach out into that neck of the woods until much later in my business. Okay. And I just I kept, I, I, I remember the first class I taught was on vision boards. Now, I don't teach anything on vision boards at all. Not that they're <laughs> not irrelevant, but I mean, that was where I started because yeah, of course. I felt passionate about them. And I was like, okay, well, I'm going to try this. And then I realized like, well, this is not what I want to do. And then, but that led to the next thing and then I would try it. And then that led to the next thing. And, you know, I think you're right. It's really this, this inability to, um, to just explore through action. Right. And be willing to fail forward where you, you are trying these things and, you know, it not working. I mean, I remember the first time I went on the Internet, <laughs> I launched a uh, webinar. Right. OK. Yeah. So did I. And, yes, <laughs> and I remember I spent six months studying Amy Porterfield's webinars. That, convert. <laughs> that was her thing. Right. Yeah. And I remember, I, I mean, I studied it to the T, like I just, uh, I took it so serious, like really understanding the step-by-step the, um, -step and how each slide, the importance of them, and how they flew into the yep. next thing. And I spent a ton of money learning, a ton of money building, a ton of time building. And I remember I launched it and, you know, I was like under this impression I was going to make like $10,000 and I made 200 <laughs> <laughs> And it was like, it, and I realized in that moment that it was like, okay, well, it's not necessarily a failure, but where the disconnect was is that I felt like I was lecturing at people versus interacting with them. Uh, and what that, that experience led me to really recognize is that where I really thrive more is actually on stages, at retreats, workshops, things like that, because I get to uh, be hand-to-hand, face-to-face with people. 
And I find that that is works better. But if I hadn't done that, I wouldn't have made that realization, right? No doubt. So, yeah, it all it all serves a purpose. So, who do you help specifically? Like your niche is to help people stop self sabotaging. Who are you trying to help? And I know that it's everyone because everyone's doing it. But who did you focus on in the early days? Well, when I first started doing that, honestly, I was focused on entrepreneurs, specifically women entrepreneurs, gotcha. um, helping women uh, who were struggling in their businesses or struggling to get their businesses started. A lot of them were in network marketing. Uh, a lot of them were mamapreneurs, right, trying to launch and, and you know thrive their businesses uh, and helping them understand how their, their thought patterns, how their belief systems were contributing to their lack of success. And then I kind of branched out. Um, what I realized is that my message is, is very universal on stages, and I was able to, um, you know, speak at financial conferences, uh, at engineer conferences, at um, oh my gosh, Union Pacific Railroad conference. You wow. know, like I've just yeah. had, it's universal across the board. And so we just basically the steps are all the same, but the stories I tell will shift depending on the audience that I'm t t talking to. Um, as far as my students, like uh, who uh, my customer avatar is, you know, we, we developed a very, very specific customer avatar. Uh, we actually named her Catherine. I don't know where that name came from, but that's, <laughs> that's her avatar. And, you know, we, we've really honed in that she, she's, you know, she's, she's seeking, you know, to shift and change. She's recognizing that she's not where she wants to be. She's disconnected from her purpose and passion. She finds herself Googling, um, how to be more happy, how to, you know, how to, uh, love herself more, how to be more confident, how to balance, um, you know, and recognizing that she is usually a mom. Uh, she does, uh, she does desire to be more than that, but she's afraid, um, you know, of what people are going to think of her if she decides to be more than that. So, I mean, that's just kind of the, the scratch of the surface of, you know, who the women that we're working with now today, um, you know, just building this big movement now, Colin, it's called Rebels for Joy uh, awesome. and really just you know, sparking joy in the hearts and souls of women. Again, is a big part of what we're working on now. I love that. So, so give us a little taste. Okay. Like someone's listening to this, you know, they have been thinking about this for a while. They're like, I keep self-sabotaging. What would be the first step for someone? Mm, I love it. Yeah, I can actually simplify this in three steps. Okay, awesome. So, yeah, the very first step is that, you guys, we have to get to the root um, to understand the purpose that the self-sabotage serves. Now, this is a harder question because people are like, well, it doesn't serve any purpose. Well, yeah, it does. I mean, your fear serves a purpose. Your self-destructive thoughts serve a purpose. I mean, it could be a distorted purpose, but it's a purpose, and that usually is to keep you safe, uh, to, you know, protect you from taking risk or being seen or vulnerable. Um, so we need to get to the root. We have to understand, all right, what is my role? Like how, what are my thoughts? Uh, what is it that I believe? What do I perceive that is, um, is that contributing to this behavior? And at the root of it, you know, there's a, there's a process that you can follow, which is that my beliefs, thoughts, feelings, actions, beliefs, thoughts, feelings, actions. Mm -hmm. So, which means that if the action, the result, isn't in alignment with what you desire, well, that means that your feelings, thoughts, and beliefs aren't in alignment with the desire. They're in alignment with the opposite. So, when we get to the root, by following that process, that we can start to really trace it backwards. Okay, so say, for example, weight is the thing that you're working on, is that you are um, you're gaining weight, losing, you're yo-yoing. That's the result. Well, what are you what are you feeling? 
Well, if you feel discouraged, if you feel defeated, if you feel um, uh, hopeless, right? Yeah. Then there's a good chance of thoughts that uh, I'm only going to gain it anyways, or I don't have time for this, or I'm too busy, um, I can't do it, I'm a failure, right? And at the core, when we get to the belief, there's probably an underlying belief that you're not enough, mm -hmm. that you're weak, you're a failure, you're not capable, whatever that is, right? So identifying that and how that is leading to the result that you don't desire gives us the roadmap to what we need to change. And that leads us to that second step, right? So the first step is the root, right? We need yes. to find out all the controlling factors. So root, then step two is release. Now we need to release the story. We need to release the perceptions. We need to release the meaning that mm -hmm. we give the beliefs, the thoughts, and the feelings. We need to release uh, our stubbornness. <laughs> right? So true. We need to release our ego. We need to release whatever it is that's blocking you from the result. We need to really get into that. And you could release by reframing your thoughts. You could release by deepening into forgiveness. You could release by um, really identifying the story that's attached to the behavior or the belief. And, uh, and, then, and then rewrite the story. Because honestly, Colin, you're the author. There's yeah. nobody in your head telling you how to think, feel, or believe. You're the author. Now, outward experiences, maybe your parents, your family, your society has taught you or conditioned you to think, feel, or believe this way. But they don't have that power over you. They may have had the power over you as a child in, in instilling or embedding those seeds. But now you have that ability to take back that personal power and, and to rewrite the story any way that you see fit. And if, it, if it's written in a way that disserves you, now it's time to release that and to rewrite it in a way that totally serves you. Now, this could take practice. And honestly, the, the releasing part is a practice. It's not a one-time occurrence. In yeah. fact, you know, it's something that you have to go back to and constantly re rewrite, 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 reframe, 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 because your automatic response is going to be the old way. And it's just because that is, it's just, it's had uh, a lot more time to develop those neural, neural pathways. So the old self is just kind of developed a rut in the mind. Well, you, the only way for that rut to, to like kind of um, grow weeds over it is to stop walking on it, right? So true. <laughs> and the only way to stop walking on it is for us to carve out a new path. And that's with the reframing. So the release is, a, is an ongoing practice. The last step, so we go root, release, and the last step is to get resolved, right? It's gotcha. root, release, resolve, right? Those are my three R's. Yeah. So resolve means that you need to create a declaration. It's that you come like resolute in the new decision, the new thought, the new belief system. So if we're using the example of the weight, right, is that instead of, you know, that um, uh, instead of the declaration that I, you know, gain and lose weight, I yo-yo diet, um, I'm not consistent. We need to rewrite it and become resolute with the belief system that says, um, I am healthy and always at my ideal weight. Mm -hmm. And we just, we, that's the, that's the declaration. That is the decision that says, this is now my belief. This is what I believe. Because when we, what you believe and what you perceive is ultimately how you're going to think, feel, and behave. 
So even if that declaration isn't necessarily true right now, declaring that and then re reinforcing it through the release and the reframing is going to eventually allow that to become your truth. I love that. And, and, and there's a lot of that practice. Like I know you talked about, it takes a long time for the release. Like it's, it's a practice. Is that where something like meditation could be super valuable for people? Sure. Mm -hmm. You know, if that works for you, right. There's a lot of people that um, are a little too high strung or, you know, just aren't, that, that doesn't really fit for them. Journaling is a great meditative practice as well. Yeah, you know, I, I think a lot of times, yeah, we think that meditation is just sit in silence. And if your brain doesn't work that way, dude, work with yourself. Stop working against yourself, right? Stop trying to accept somebody else's methodology of what works. Just find what works for you. Uh, so journaling, uh, affirmations, talking in the mirror. Um, you know, I used to make up songs and sing them and I'm a horrible singer, so don't ask me to do that. <laughs> I was going to ask for a sample. No, <laughs> I'm not even going to torture anyone with that. But I would make up these songs, and I would sing them aloud with my declarations in the car. And I would, wouldn't have the radio on, and I would just sing them over and over and over again. And that was my form of meditation. Right. Yeah. So it really is got to is finding like what is your meditative. So some people it's like while you're exercising is that that's where your Zen is. Well, that's the time that we like start to inject that those declarations, those affirmations, you know, those belief systems, reinforcing them until they become the, the rut in the mind. Right. It's like that neural pathway can only be carved as if you're constantly walking that path. And that means that we're thinking that thought, we're saying that thought, we are, um, we are like, we're constantly re reaffirming, revalidating. So one of them that I worked on for a long time was, because uh, I had felt, and it was understandable with my past experiences, but I had felt that I was uh, a little awkward, a little weird, that people, you know, didn't connect with me, they didn't get me. And sure enough, if you believe that, you act awkwardly, Colin, yeah, right? 100%. You know, like, and you don't even realize you're doing it, but people are put off by your weirdness, right? And so I had to reaffirm over and over again that I was loved and accepted by all those around me. I was loved and accepted by all those around me. And um, when I would, when somebody would hold the door for me as I was coming into a Starbucks, I would use that as validation. Be like, ah. See, right there. Someone loved and accepted me. Thank you, sir. And I would move on. A little win. I, I love it. Was, yeah, I was walking that path, right? That new pathway. I was choosing not to walk in my rut, that I was unliked, unloved, and weird. And I was walking in the rut of loved and accepted by all those around me. And you would find these little ways all day, every day, to validate that. Whether it was somebody gets you, you know, um, somebody help you with something, hold the door for you, um, be thoughtful, send you a kind thank you note, whatever it is, right? That's validation, validation, validation. And we use that to reinforce the goodness in our mind. I love it. And, uh, you know, a lot of it's a word because I, I think for myself and, you know, for me, it took me a long time for myself. You know, I went through something myself for me to, to be comfortable and social settings where I didn't feel like I was lesser than like even mm. in business meetings or whatnot, I felt lesser than, or if someone had a big personality, I would feel super threatened by that. Yeah. And it's not until you really start to just become aware of the behavior that then things start to change because over time it just sort of naturally happens. I find instead of trying to force it, which I, I think at the beginning I just tried to do. Yeah. Yeah, and that ultimately will uh, shift your behavior in a way that mm -hmm. is disingenuous and people notice. And then it validates the fact that 
they're distant from you or that you are weird or whatever yeah. it is, right? And then uh, your the story that you attach to that is that see, there it is. I'm not enough. Yes. Right? They're better than me. I'm I'm just I just don't measure up. And then that story, you walk that rut, the old rut, right? And it just reinforces it and it just gets a little deeper and a little stronger. And so it's just recognizing how often we walk the 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 negative rut. Like how often do we just automatically just assume or think these these negative thought patterns about ourselves? And that goes back to that root a little bit, right? Is that yeah. we really want to, you know, unmask the entire story. I often say that the goal the goal is really to ruin, like, to spoil your own surprise birthday party. Is that yeah. the the more unaware you are, the more often you'll be surprised by these behaviors, right? They're gonna yes. catch you off guard. But if somebody spoiled your surprise birthday party, you can't go there and genuinely be surprised anymore. True. All you could be is uh, you have to pretend to be surprised. And you can only pretend for so long before you get sick of pretending. Yeah. So getting to the root really is, is just like what you were saying here, is that we really need to expose all the ways that you play this, this, this game and you walk these toxic ruts. And the more that you connect with those, the, the easier it is for us to um, unhook from them and ultimately, uh, you know, live like live the better version of ourselves. No doubt. And, you know, that it takes work, doesn't it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's it a practice. Work. The work works, but you got to do the work. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny because we like listening to it. You know, all of us listening, we all want something to be really we all want to change in, in some way. But oftentimes it's so difficult because it's our it's like your comfort zone. Right, like it is. doing something new, yeah. even though it's something super positive, it's still scary. Yeah. It's still uncomfortable. And that's what we always talk about: is that we get comfortable in our mediocrity, mm -hmm. right? Is that we get comfortable? This nation lives in this "I'm fine" uh, methodology, yeah. right? Like when somebody asks me, "How are you doing?" They say, "I'm fine." My my knee jerk reaction now is to say, "BS." <laughs> How are you really doing? Right. Because yeah. that's our go to reaction. And it's such a dismissive. It's a dismissive response because we don't want people to see us. So right. True. And then we do get stuck in this comfortability, this comfortable place. It's, it's comfortably uncomfortable, but it's not uncomfortable enough to provoke change until it gets there. Right. Yeah. Um, and it just we go through this. Well, my life isn't that bad. My life's okay. Yep. You start but comparing. Guess what? You've, yeah. Yeah. You've settled for mediocrity. You've settled yes. for good. I mean, you guys, if there's one thing that I could really say right now is that it's wake up. You've got one life. That's it. If you, if you're on your deathbed and you look back, are you okay with that? And if the answer is yes, cool. Keep living in that state. That's great. If, if living the life you're in right now brings you joy and you don't desire anything more awesome to stay good. But if there's a part of you that does call and crave something grander, bigger, bolder, then now's the time. Not tomorrow, not next week, today. And the opportunity is right in front of you. The opportunity is just to make a new declaration, a new get very resolved with what it is that you want and where you want to go. And then who do you need to hire or what do you need to do to get there? Because it's going to require some form of investment time, some form of, of energy or money. Yeah. Right. It requires something. Right. And and that's 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 what's going to allow us to that next phase and that next direction. Um, so that way you can you can get out of this comfort, this comfortably uncomfortable state and really get into a life that not only 
you're proud of, but you feel that brings you a tremendous amount of fulfillment and joy in, in whatever way that looks for you. Because for some of you, that could be like backpacking around the world. Awesome. And for some of you, that's driving Lambos and living on Miami Beach. Cool. For others, that's a cabin isolated in the woods and being debt-free. Awesome. Yeah. Whatever that looks like today is where the decision starts. Today is where we make that choice to create more. And that's, Colin, the big reason why I actually started. So this Rebels for Joy, that's our army of rebels. Is that okay. It's actually called the emotional revolution. Uh, is that we need, to, we need to have a revolution in the way that we think and feel. So that way all of us can live our greatest life. Amazing. And if people wanted to learn more about that, learn more about what you're doing, where's the best place everyone can go? rebelsforjoy.com <laughs> amazing rebelsforjoy.com and if they wanted to follow along on your journey learn more about yeah. what you're doing who you are where's the best place people can do that instagram is probably um where i spend the most amount of my attention nowadays um and that is bonniekelly.me uh is my ig handle um or you can find me on facebook uh those are the two places that i kind of loiter <laughs> i would say more than anything but i i would say instagram is where you're going to find me more than anything Amazing. Well, I'll share all these links to make it super simple for people to connect. Uh, Bonnie, I want to thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule and, and coming on the show and, and sharing this message with the audience today. Now oh, it's been my honor. Thank you so much. And keep doing the amazing work that you're doing, Colin. Thank you very much. Well, we appreciate your time, everyone. Hope you enjoyed today's episode. Be sure you're subscribed to the podcast. Leave us a comment. Share this out with a friend. We'll be back with another episode soon. Until then, Colin Morgan signing off. And always remember to keep on grinding. Lower the lights down, hand over my crown.